what is this stuff we are downloading? Hello and welcome to the Hogmanay edition of the Culture Swally, a podcast dedicated to Scottish news and pop culture. My name is Nicky and as always I'm joined by Greg. How are you today, Greg? Hello there, and uh, advance Happy New Year, as the kids say. How are you doing? Advance Happy New Year? Is that a thing? Is it? Advance Happy New Year? I'm, I'm saying that's what the kids say, but thinking about it, I think it's more what the... I mean, I, I, I work quite a lot of Filipino people, and I think it's more... That's more of their lingo. They're like, they say things, if you see them on like December the 23rd, and you're sort of finishing for Christmas, and you say, listen, guys, have a, have, a, have a great Christmas, and they say, advance Merry Christmas! So maybe I'm maybe that's where it comes from, and it's it's not the kids. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm doing the kids a disservice. I I don't think I've ever really heard that or experienced that. Really? I'm usually the one that looks like a bit of a dick because <laughs> at this time of year, if you're finishing up at work, I'll always make the joke, "See you next year," <laughs> and think that that's that's very funny. Where it's it's really not at all. Yeah, but yeah, no, I you do, do. the the worst one is when it's it's like the end. It's sort of say like sort of it's it's. December the twenty third, two thousand and nine, or nineteen ninety nine, and people are like, "Oh, I'll see you the next decade." How mad is that? You're like, "Well, it's not really fucking mad at all. It's no madder than I'll see you next year." I mean, if, if we're being honest, it's no madder than I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a fucking calendar. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard that or no, experienced that. I, I, I have. I remember experienced. I've experienced that a couple of times. Oh, I'd have issues with that, I think. Yeah, but you see, you, if you you have you'd have issues with it, but would you call the person out? Would you be like, "Look, come on, no, if, come on, no, no, listen to yourself." Of course not. You wouldn't. You would just politely sort of walk away, and then the next time you were talking to me, you'd be like, "Honestly, this couldn't at work. Fucking water." We said, "I'll see you next decade." <laughs> I'd, I'd politely smile and fake laugh and say, oh, "Yeah, of course, of course, I will. Yeah, I'll see you next decade." You fucking zoomer. It's <laughs> zoomer. So, are you a big fan of New Year, Hogmanay? It's not like it used to be, is it? No, I mean, it's not like it used to be. You know, obviously, we're old, you and I are a bit older now. I remember when I was younger, it was exciting. And being out in town, especially when I lived in Aberdeen, because I lived close to the city centre, and, you know, the street party in Aberdeen used to always be pretty good, right? You know, like an hour, mm. hour and a half, two hours, however long it was on for, and you hit a few pubs beforehand, hit the street party, you know, go maybe get to a late pub or go back to someone's house for a couple for like a proper Hogmanay party. But when I moved back to Glasgow, um, I went out. The first Hogmanay I was there, uh, a friend of yours and mine came down with his girlfriend uh, to, to see me for Hogmanay. And we went out and it cost us a tenner to get into the pub. And I know that when people will be listening to this thinking, a tenner? Come on, you fucking tight cunt. But this was like 2002. So I, I a tenor was still like, it still meant something, a tenor, back in 2002, do you know what I mean? Um, so we went there and, you know, it was fucking packed. It took ages to get served. Every time I went to the bar, it was just heaving busy. I, I drew the short straw of it being my rounds about 20 minutes before the bells. So literally, like, I'm, I'm at the bar, literally like, two minutes before the bells, I'm still waiting to be served. I've kind of managed to get to the front. And, like, the the bartender who was serving the end of the bar that I was at just like kind of gives up and pours himself a soft drink. And I said, are you not, are you not serving? I said, I'm, I've been here for like fucking 20 minutes. Yeah, but it's almost the bells. <laughs> and oh, that's why, I, that's why I came up fucking 20 minutes ago. So like under duress, I got my drinks and, you know, it was, I had a happy ending to so manage to have a drink for the bells. But then I lived in uh, Langside in Glasgow at the time. Try to get a taxi back was a fucking nightmare. So I said to myself, right, 
this is the last time I'm going out for New Year's Eve. I'll go to like a house party or something. And it honestly is the last time, 18 years, I've celebrated Hogmanay uh, at someone's house, like a house party or something. I've not gone out and said, anyway, it's, it's over. <laughs> what about you? Wow, that's impressive. Yeah. That, yeah, New Year. It's not as exciting as it used to be. I was the same. Obviously, I think it, it was when you were younger, it was more of a thing. It was a big night out and you would have a, a, a you know, as you say, Aberdeen, especially, you'd go into town and there was a big street party and it was all about how many New Year kisses you could get. That was when I was, you know, 15, 16, 17. Then 21, 22. Yeah, it's <laughs> 21, 22, yeah. Then I, I agree. I mean, you'd have some great days out, but it does take its toll. There was a couple of years that me and a, another friend of ours would start at 12 o'clock in the afternoon. We would go to the Illicit Still in Aberdeen and have a, a full Scottish breakfast and a pint of Guinness and get started then. And we would just continue drinking all day and into the night and into the next day. And those were great days that I look back on and, and remember. But yeah, as you get older, it's a bit... Ah. I think when I was in Dubai, we had a few evenings that, you know, we went out for New Year. We went, one of my first years there, I went to like this big Scottish ball. You know, that was really good. Yeah. Then you'd have a few nights out, but then it just gets so overpriced. And, you know, places were charging like 200 quid a ticket for... Just to go in. No, that's ridiculous. So I would say the last few New Year's, yeah, we've just had a like quiet kind of party or people round and or gone round to someone's and just had a, a quiet one really to see the bells in. And mm-hmm. it's kind of more fun. You know, you enjoy it. But I guess that's just about getting older as well. But I wouldn't imagine there'll be too many massive New Year parties this year. Not legal ones, anyway. Well, that's it. I mean, I'm not really sure what's going on in the UK. It's all a bit upside down in terms of what you're allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do and blah, blah, blah. I suppose the news of the the news that broke this week, uh, which will be a couple of weeks ago for uh, people listening to the podcast right now, uh, is the UK signing off the Belgian vaccine. So, you know, if they can, I think if they can get that administered out, to get like a few million vaccinations done in the in the kind of weeks leading up to Christmas, maybe they'll let people celebrate. But who knows? It's certainly going to be. And this whole year has just been a fucking absolute shiter, hasn't it? So I think we'll all be we're all looking forward to seeing the end of twenty twenty. I think everything's okay as long as you order a Scotch egg. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. you're allowed to <laughs> to go out and get pished as long as you have a Scotch egg, and then you're fine. I think as long as you you don't even have to eat the fucking Scotch egg. I think as long as you've got a Scotch egg sitting in front of you at the bar, so you don't even have to like Scotch eggs as long as you've got one. You know, obviously you can't catch COVID. So fucking. No, I, I was reading an article and I, I did think about doing it for the news, but I, I didn't. But uh, about a pub, I think it was in Aberdeen, and they served like toasties and sandwiches and stuff. And then they were told that it's not substantial food, you have to close down. And now with this revelation that a Scotch egg counts as a substantial meal, they've put a Scotch egg on the menu and now they're allowed to open. So as you say, people just go in, I think they're charging a pound. For this scotch egg and you can sit and have you know as many pints as you want as long as you've got your scotch egg on the table i've read about pubs doing like sort of shepherd's pie and vegetables for like 75p just so people will come in <laughs> you know it's so visions of these sort of hours old congealing plates of 
right, Shepherd's back sitting for the guys. You know, after they've had four or five pints so to the bartender, going to heat that up, dog. <laughs> Fucking snapping. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what have you been up to? You're getting all, obviously, you're flying off in another week or two, coming to Dubai to see your family. What have you been, what have you been up to this, this last week? Nothing much. I've obviously been busy with work and then, I guess, just getting everything ready for Christmas, you know, making sure all the, the presents are wrapped and stuff and everything's under the tree and then just preparing and kind of putting a, a list together of all the shit that needs to get done you know stupid stuff like i need to go and get a haircut i need to you know go and do this i need to make sure i've got that so i can take that it's yeah all the the fun filled things that you can do uh that's been about it nothing else exciting i'm afraid how about yourself well i've not been doing anything particularly exciting either but i do have some exciting social media news so today well sorry not today yesterday the complicity episode of the Culture Swally landed on iTunes and Spotify and wherever you get your podcast from. And we gained a new follower because of our post about the... So last in the last episode, we had a, you had a brilliant story about a chef who bought a picture, a painting rather, of a rolling sausage. And um, I think as a result of um, the hashtags that you put in the post, that we put in the post about the rolling sausage, we got a new follower. This guy's in America. He is a chef. He's the pastry chef. No, so he's not in America. My humble apologies. He's in Canada. And he's the pastry chef at Ottawa Airport. His uh, his little bio under his name says, <laughs> it says, if you're going to unfollow me in 24 hours, why bother follow me at all? That's all it says. Uh, his name is Henry Strong, but his handle on Instagram is strong Henry. Um, if we have a look at Henry's post here, as you might expect, because he's a pastry chef, he's got lots of pictures of cakes and things. But he's also got a picture of like a stack of books, uh, in, including astounding science fiction anthology, The Rake Bells of Heaven by John Boyd, and Childhood's End by Arthur C. Clarke. He's obviously a, a science fiction guy in his spare time. But yeah, so welcome to our uh, Instagram following strong Henry. I hope that you... You're not just following us on Instagram and you're also downloading the podcast. But if we'll... you are listening to this, Henry, give us a, a little comment on one of our posts. We'd appreciate that. And welcome to the Swally. Welcome to the Swally. Hello, this is the Outer Hebrides Broadcasting Corporation. And here is what's been going on in the news. Have you seen anything in the news this week from Scotland that has caught your eye? Aha. Uh-huh. So this week, well, maybe not, not this week, uh, the week before last, the PlayStation, the long-awaited PlayStation 5 was released in the UK. By all accounts, it's already becoming very difficult to get your hands on a on, on, on one of these PlayStation 5s. Are you going to buy one, do you think? Or are you... I think I'll wait. I, I dropped a few hints uh, around about Christmas, but it, it wasn't forthcoming. I did mention it, and it was met with a, you don't play your four. And I said, yeah, because it's old now, so I need the five. Uh, I think I'll wait. I, I could pretty much guarantee, I, as much as I loved Spider-Man on the PS4, I thought about buying the new one, but I'll probably wait. It's not enough to get me yet. I think I'll wait a little while. It, let's face it, it's probably going to be the next Grand Theft Auto game that is going to make me go out and buy a PS5 unless something else amazing comes out. So at the moment, no, but I guarantee I'll end up getting one. What about yourself? Are you going to get one? Because I know you're an avid gamer as well. Well, I mean, I've, since I've moved, 
mean, I'm, I've not been gaming as much. And to be honest, I was thinking to myself, that would I even bother? Wait, when I, I, I was really looking forward to playing the new Spider-Man game because I really enjoyed the last one, as I know you did. And and I thought it was only going to come out for the PS5. So I thought, oh, fuck's sake, I'm going to buy a fucking PlayStation 5 now so I can play the new Spider-Man game. But it's out in the PS4. And, you know, I mean, I don't... I don't need whatever the P. Well, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know all the technical elements of the PS5 and why it's X, Y, or Z. You know, I, I come from like you. I come from the generation of gamers where you would say things like, "Oh, the graphics are much better on the Super Nintendo," or "The graphics are much better on the PlayStation or the Nintendo 64." Do you know what I mean? That like all this the sort of processor speeds, uh, frame rates, and all this shit. It doesn't really mean much to me. Yeah. Can you remember how much we lost our shit when Star Fox came out? Oh yeah. This was the most amazing technological advancement in gaming. The the graphics were insane. It's got a 3D chip in the cartridge. You look at it now. It's fucking dog shit. However, at the time, this was the most amazing thing that ever happened to gaming. Mm-hmm. No, I, like, I remember like, that sort of Super Nintendo release. Like, well, maybe these weren't all the titles that were that came out when it was released because I was only like. 11 or 12 when it came out so I wouldn't have been that up on it but the games that came out things like um, Super Mario World you know, where, they, where I remember the, the baddie at the end but when you fight Bowser at the end and you he's in that sort of clown head thing throwing the mechanical guys down at you and you would throw them back up at him and it would hit him and you'd like fly up to the front of the screen and fly back again and um, oh. and stuff like sort of Castlevania 4 I remember being quite impressed with that and the graphics and everything but I mean but literally you know it was never because you can go back and play those old games now and they still play really really well you know, obviously compared to what we've got now they're of their time and they don't look anything near as good as the games that come out now but it was just very much like oh wait to see the graphics so it wasn't it was nothing about you didn't care that much about battery backup or like I said before, processor speeds and things, you know, it was just, it was all about the graphics. To be honest, I'll probably, I will probably end up getting a PS5 eventually, but it'll be ages away. It'll be when the sort of release schedule for the PS4 is kind of diminishing and they're putting all their all their efforts on the PS5 and like there's not so many games coming out but I mean I don't buy games very often I bought Tony Hawk because I really love playing on the PS1 and then you know I'm going to buy this Spider-Man game because I really enjoyed the last Spider-Man game but I don't know what's coming up that kind of gets my juices going that I want so I'm going to rush out and buy it you know I'm, I guess it's just I find myself playing the Super Nintendo and the NES emulator on my daughter's um, Switch. So anyway, like I mentioned before, the PS5, by all accounts, is quite difficult uh, for people to get their hands on. Um, This uh, Glasgow PS5 scalper, and for people who are overseas may not know what a scalper is, a scalper is somebody who will buy uh, something, like a new sought-after item, or maybe tickets for a, a big concert, and they'll buy the tickets, and then they'll sell them on at a profit. So this Glasgow PS5 scalper was selling a console for £950, which is double the retail value in the UK at the moment. So it retails for £359. I don't know why I'm advertising Sony. But uh, this guy listed it on Gumtree for £950. So the per- somebody has uh, registered an interest in it and they've been texting the guy. And it's been back and forth, the conversation between them. 
these two guys. Uh, the, the seller's name, he, he calls himself Mustafa on Gumtree, but the guy that was interested in, or interested in quotation marks and buying it um, did not list his name. And he, he told the guy in the text message conversation that he didn't want to give his details, his phone number and stuff, but he would meet him in a, a an arranged location. <laughs> <laughs> so he's uh, he sent him into the city centre and in Glasgow. And sorry, not the city centre. He sent him to the West End in Glasgow. And they've been having this conversation back and forth. You tell me where you are, blah blah blah. I'll send you my location, etc., etc. So the guy who says that he's interested in buying it, he says to Mustafa, "I can't see you. Can you send me a picture of where you of where you are?" Mustafa is obviously getting a bit pissed off because uh, it's been going back and forth for a while, and he's kind of dicking about trying to find out where the guy that's interested in buying the PlayStation is. So Mustafa says, open your eyes. That might help. And the seller says, are you sure Are you sure you're at the comedy club? I mean, in the Stands Comedy Club in the West End of Glasgow. Mustafa says, yeah, I'm right outside the comedy club. So the guy says, oh, great. Now you can walk in and tell them that you're trying to sell a PS5 for a grand. I'm sure you'll end up with a job in there. <laughs> it's gone viral, um, this uh, text exchange, because uh, the, obviously the guy that has been in the wind-up has shared it. Apparently... PS5s are going, or well, not going, but they're being listed for as much as three and a half thousand pounds on eBay. Um, it's been all over uh, Twitter and Facebook. One uh, follower said, "This is outstanding work. Well done, lad." Another replied, "This is what they deserve." Um, yeah. So, what do you think about that? Yeah, but if they've been going for more now, then Mustafa's probably had the last laugh. He's probably ended up getting more money for it than he would have done. I don't know. It, it says they're listed for three and a half thousand pounds, but you know, you and I obviously collect buy things off eBay and you know we see things that are listed for a price but we know that the item isn't worth that amount of money and if we you know if you're anything like me you'll watch it to see what happens and like nine out of ten times it doesn't sell it ends up getting relisted and they're not um i've heard this story before oh yeah um not about the ps5 but about something else this has definitely happened before right in terms of someone directing someone to the comedy (laughs) club right and saying you know, go in and tell them this. I can't, I want to say it was Limmy or it was either like Limmy or Rav Florence or uh, someone has done this before. Right. I'm sure about this. I'm not sure. I need to uh, do some research. This came from the, it came from the Scottish Sun on the 27th of November. But I've got the, if you give me a second, I will find the, and I don't have it, I thought I had the full um, text message conversation because they've only shown one, oh, it's been, it's been removed from Facebook. They've only shown one um, screenshot. Like they, they, there's a there's a big long conversation which I saw someone share on Facebook uh, the same day that I found it on the Scottish Sun, but it's been taken down. So I guess I don't know if somebody's uh, maybe my staff has got a bit touchy about being made a cunt of on social media and in the press. Well, I hope my staff got it sold. I hope the person that bought it is very happy with it, and I'm glad that the the person that that did this got the publicity they wanted. A very funny joke. It was very good. I will agree with you that. I mean, Mustafa's only got one star on Gumtree, so I don't know if he's new or maybe he's upset people before. I've no idea. Anyway, what you got? The first story that I have this week. I am very concerned about the plight of this man, and we will know the answer by now because we're recording this before Christmas. But he's only going to find out his fate two days before Christmas. So this is from the Greenock Telegraph this week, and the headline reads, Man locked up after stealing tin of custard will learn fate 
two days before Christmas. I, I think this is a, a heartwarming story. It's not really at all. And <laughs> I think they've put that in the headline and fair play to them. That was what drew me in. That's why I'm actually reporting this story on the Swally. And they missed out a kind of key detail in the headline there. Uh, it's about a man and he's been locked up after stealing a tin of custard during a break-in to a Greenock flat. And he's got to wait two days before Christmas to find out the length of his prison sentence. Graham Pearson, who was found loitering in a Port Glasgow street with an axe, had been due to learn his fate last week. But a pre-sentencing background report wasn't available, so they've had to delay it to the 23rd of December. He was spotted with the axe on Montgomery Street in October after he had broken into a woman's house and stolen a tin of custard. And that's the story. He broke into the house. (laughs) It was all he stole, a tin of custard. And then he was found with an axe wandering the street. It's it's not a, a huge story, but I think... It was the headline and just the nonsense of it that appealed to me. So he's been he's, he's been lifted with, I'm assuming, the tin of custard maybe in his pocket or in his possession and an axe wandering the streets of Greenock. I, I don't think he was even wandering. He was found on the corner. So he was just standing on the street corner with an axe and a tin of custard. It's almost like somebody from Comfort and Joy <laughs> when you have the, <laughs> the ice cream battle with the big mallet and stuff. It's... Uh, yeah, just standing there with his custard. I don't know if he was trying to open the custard with the axe or, you know, if he was going to heat it up first or, you know, but yeah. I mean, it's yeah, it's an unusual thing to do. Right? I mean, you know, if you're going to run the risk of going to prison for breaking into someone's house, you would like to think, you know, you would like to think that you're going to make it sort of worth your while. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's not exactly, you know, if, if you're like sitting in the canteen in Barlinny, and somebody says to you, you know, we're just, oh, what are you in for? Oh, armed robbery. What are you in for? Oh, yeah, battered this guy. What are you in for? I stole a tin of custard out of someone's house and then got lifted on Montgomery Street holding an axe. You know, it's just, might as well, if you're going to go, like, if you're going to go for it, you might as well make it worth your while, right? I mean, I just feel sorry for the Greenock Telegraph. They've written a, a great headline, but obviously they've missed out the pun of, you know, that he was taken into custody. Oh, yeah. It's, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's a poor show from them there, really. But yeah, I can imagine, I'm, I, when you're saying in prison, I don't think he's going to be put on the nonce's wing or anything like that for stealing a tin of custard. No, I don't think so. But, you know, to going back to the, the, the Greenwich Telegraph, I'll bet, well, you would like to think that if he hadn't been arrested for, if he hadn't been arrested holding an axe, they might have been able to drop the wee custard, the wee custardy pun in there, right? But I bet the editor said off, he was holding an axe, you know what I mean? I mean, who knows what he might have done. If he just, you know, I think, yeah, you know, it's a missed opportunity. I, I agree. I'm sorry. I feel I've let you down with no, the, the custard story. No, you've not. You've it's, not. It, it, it does raise some questions. I mean, Greenwich. It does. It's, yeah. it's, not, it's, it's not a very big place, Greenwich. So, you know, and I guess if you're if you're writing for a local, if, if you're buying the Greenwich Herald, uh, sorry, the, the Greenwich Telegraph, rather. I was just, I've got the Falkirk Herald on the brain. If you're buying the Greenwich Telegraph, you're, you, it's because you want to know what's going on in your town. Right. Yeah. Well, so I, I just thought I would give Falkirk a break this week. But yeah, me too. Is your next story from Falkirk or? No, it's not. But see, I, I, I mean, I'm saying I wanted to give Falkirk a break, but I had a look in the Falkirk Herald website the other day and couldn't find anything funny. So <laughs> 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 my next story, 
I sort of thought long and hard about talking about this, but it, it raises quite a quite a, quite a key question. This story. So the headline again, it comes from the Scottish Sun again, and the big capital word headline is jailed, and the byline is Glasgow homeless man jailed for four years after hitting attempted robber over the head with champagne bottle, right? So this is Barry Whiteman, 37 years old. He, uh, he admitted repeatedly smashing the bottle over the head of uh, one 21-year-old Paul Sinclair at Elmbank Gardens in Glasgow. So right right down near the foot of the, the, foot of the city centre, near Charing Cross tube station, on December 26th last year. So he's only just been sentenced, old Barry. Basically, what's happened, Barry was camping, because he's homeless, right? So he was camping near the entrance of the Charing Cross railway station in his tent. And Mr. Sinclair was staying in a nearby hotel. And he is he's, he's approached Barry's tent, and he's began shouting. So, I mean, obviously, Mr. Sinclair wasn't the fucking sharpest knife in the drawer before he was brained with a champagne bottle, right? He started kicking Barry's tent and shouting, give me your fucking money. Bear in mind that I'm sure if Barry had any money, he would be camping next to Charing Cross fucking train station. A security guard working nearby shouted at Mr. Sinclair to leave Barry alone. At this point, Barry emerged from the tent and struck Mr. Sinclair four times in the back of the head with a champagne bottle, causing him to fall to the ground. He then shouted, that's what you get for trying to rob a homeless guy. Didn't stop there. He then struck Mr. Sinclair a further six times. Oh, Jesus. With a bottle, leaving him lying unconscious on the ground. But then, just to show that he's not hes not necessarily a bad guy, Barry, uh, when Mr. Sinclair somehow managed to regain consciousness after being battered ten times on the on the with the head with a champagne bottle. Barry helped him back to his hotel. Uh, he was taken he was taken to Glasgow Royal Infirmary, uh, where he had a he had a fractured skull. It may come as no surprise. But his injuries were serious, apparently, and he ended up staying in hospital in the hospital called January the sixth. So I guess the kind of two critical questions that um, this article raises. The first one I've I've addressed already is, you know, why did uh, Sinclair think that a homeless fellow was going to be able to give him any money? And the second one is, where did Barry get a fucking champagne bottle? That was my first question. Now, was the champagne... uh, Well, I I mean, he could have just found it lying in the street. I mean, we don't know. Maybe someone... Well, did you say this was on the 26th of December? Yeah, Boxing Day, 2018. Obviously, there's going to be champagne bottles on the street. People are going to be celebrating Christmas. What in the streets of Glasgow? Champagne. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe someone has given him a bottle of champagne for Christmas. Like you never know. There's a lot of people that do give you know gifts to to homeless people that are well known in the area. So maybe someone did give him a bottle of champagne for Christmas. Here you go, Barry. Enjoy. Uh, it could be that he you know found it in a bin. I mean, you wouldn't have thought he would have... Well, you never know. Like, he might think, I need a weapon if I'm camping here, like, in case someone decides to kick my front door in. Uh, so, my back door. it could be that he had that there. I, I, I was going to avoid that. <laughs> <laughs> I did think it. I was going to avoid that. It could be that that was the reason, you know, um, that he had the champagne bottle. But that was one of my first questions. What's he doing with a champagne bottle? I'm pleased to tell you I can answer, I can answer your question because I did a bit, I did a bit of further research because I was intrigued, as uh, you were, to uh, find out how. So apparently, Mr. Sinclair brought the bottle with him. Uh, yeah, I'm assuming he dropped it. Apparently, uh, the defence QC, the fantastically named Ian McSporran, who was Barry's <laughs> grief, 
said, Mr. Whiteman said the bottle was brought by the complainer who told the police he wanted to bam up a homeless guy. McSporin, to be fair, says there's no way that Mr. Whiteman was uh, justified in what he did or that the complainer deserved what he got. I feel like there'd be a few people reading this article who may disagree with Mr. McSporin. Uh, after the attack, as I said, he did get help, Mr. Sinclair. So fair enough. But that, he's been sentenced to four years in prison, Barry. So I suppose the sort of silver lining is he doesn't have to camp outside Charing Cross tube station, uh, Charing Cross train station anymore, but he's still in jail for four years. Well, that's one thing you could say. Barry's got free bed and board for four years. However, I, I don't think that's... I think that's harsh. Like, well, is it, mm, it... It would be harsh if he just struck him once. But the fact that he repeatedly beat him with Ten a times. champagne bottle. Yeah, that's that's a bit excessive. You're going to cause some damage doing that. Uh so I can I can see the reasoning behind it. That's a, a that's a shame. I I feel terrible for all parties and for it to happen on Boxing Day as well. That's terrible. Yeah, I'm not sure that I feel that sorry for Paul Sinclair. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm sure I'm sure it's not the first time he's been a fucking wee fanny towards somebody. I'm Probably it's the first time that he's had his head caved in with a champagne bottle. But, you know, did they deserve to be hit over the head ten times? Maybe not. Did he deserve to be hit over the head a couple of times? Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's no need for that. It, it, Jesus Christ. Why on earth would you possibly think that's a good idea to go and attack a homeless person? Go it's insane. Bam up a homeless person and, 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 and demand their money. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Fucking guys, guys. Yeah, fucking you're right. Money. Actually, yeah. fucking deserved all he got. I'm, I'm just sorry he didn't get hit twelve times for that. Point. <laughs> I finished him off. So, what, what, what's your next story? I debated about doing this as well. I, it was between this and a story about a, a Scottish punter that took his own electric heater to the pub and plugged it in, and it caused a power cut in the pub. But <laughs> I thought that was quite funny. However, I, I had to go with this one. Which is from this week, and it was in the the Daily Record, and it's about a primary school in Scotland, and all the the parents were furious. Now, you're a a father of young children, so you could probably relate to this. It's a, a West Lothian primary school, and the pupils were left rather upset because they thought it would be a good idea to live stream a funeral of an ex head teacher that had died to all the pupils. So. <laughs> This primary school in West Lothian, uh, it's called St. Nicholas Primary School, which is very festive. They decided it was a good idea that one of their ex-head teachers had died and they were having a funeral service. And for some reason, they decided to live stream it and gather all the children and show them the funeral. So one mum said that her child was bawling when they came home and it made the children worry about their grandparents and like, well, what's going to happen? Is that going to happen to granny and, you know, papa? What's going to happen here? Massive number of complaints from parents and the council have had to step in and say that they apologise unreservedly for this. Uh, One mum said, it is absolutely disgusting that my kids were left to experience a funeral without the support of their parents. A lot of parents had taken the decision that the kids aren't ready for that yet and the kids found it completely shocking. I do love that the Daily Record has got stock photos of funerals from <laughs> Shutterstock.com. And it's just a photo of like a guy holding a casket and something else. And a photo of a child crying. Um, 
I'm outraged, and so are other parents. It goes against child safeguarding to do it without parents' permission and is completely out of order. So the council of I'd say, look, we apologise unreservedly for this. It's it's an error of judgment. Are you fucking kidding? You think it's an error of judgment? And we apologise for any distress caused. We understand that a number of parents, a number of parents have contacted us, and we will address individual concerns when we can. But just to let all the parents know that next Halloween we will be live streaming Halloween 2 <laughs> to the kids. They didn't say that. Really. No. Uh, would you be a bit... Uh, I mean, first of all, my first question is, that's pretty fucking weird to live stream a funeral. Anyway. Yeah. I can understand if it was, you know... It, no, I can't even understand if it was a current teacher. It's a former head teacher. It's a primary school. None of those kids are going to know who that was. Why would you live stream the funeral. I can only think it's because the teachers wanted to watch it because they probably couldn't be there because they're too busy looking after these little cunts. <laughs> so if if you know if I can't be there and I've got to suffer, then you can suffer as well. Here you go. I don't know how far it went. I mean, I, I don't know if they saw the body. I don't know if it was a funeral, like a burial or a cremation. So I don't know if they saw it going in the ground or I don't know if they saw it being burned or if it was just uh, the service they saw. But... Pretty harrowing. It was like the end of Eternal the Jedi, you know, when Luke set Darth Vader's body on fire and that funeral pyre, nothing like that, I'm not sure. Or a Viking funeral. No, I, I don't think it was a Viking funeral. I'll be quite honest. I mean, that that could be quite educational, I suppose. Oh, that's, uh, that's what I was could thinking. could say that the, the ex-head uh, teacher has gone off to Valhalla. But no, I don't think it was like the um, end of Return of the Jedi. I don't think they dressed up the kids like Ewoks or anything and had them dancing around and playing Vader skull like bongo drums. I mean, I think it's a bit of a missed opportunity because it could be like, as you mentioned, I've got kids. My youngest daughter did um, the Vikings in primary school maybe last year, the year before. So, you know, it could have made his death that bit more meaningful. They could, you know, for the kids doing the Vikings as a project, they could have they, they could have done a Viking funeral. To your very point, and this is how the Vikings used to plant people, put them in the boat, get somebody who's a good shot with a bow and arrow to fire the flame and arrow and everything. You know, I could have. I mean, if I was a teacher and I was, you know, and I, I I would maybe make provision for something like that. You know, just make sure that my funeral was educational for the children. So what you're saying here is that the staff at the school should have got in touch with the deceased's family. Mm-hmm. and said, look, this would be a really good educational experience. Can we put the body of your dearly departed in a, a Viking boat that the pupils will make out of paper mache and we will run it down a West Lothian burn and yeah. set it on fire with lighter fluid? I mean, what a way to go, right? Maybe not a, maybe not a, paper, a paper mache boat, because I think it would probably soak up the water and sink before you could get the flame and arrow on it. But um, I think, you know, if, you're, if you've devoted your life to broadening, broadening young minds and education, Surely, you know, you want your death to mean something more than just getting flung in a hole in the ground and traumatising, evidently, a load of primary school kids. Possibly. We don't know. And that's a question we'll never know, actually. Well, yeah, I suppose. Unless we ask it on, uh, on Instagram, see if anybody responds. <laughs> I mean, what would your reaction be if one of your girls was to come home and what did you do at school today? Oh, we watched a funeral. <laughs> we watched some head, we watched head, some headmaster and never met getting planted. Um I don't know. I mean, I guess it depends on how they felt about it. I think I might be a bit, a bit frustrated that I wasn't asked beforehand. Like, you know, we feel this is important. Would you? How do you feel about your daughter watching this? And then, you know, we've got the. I could at least say to her then, 
how do you feel about watching a funeral on the telly? Not my daughter, she would probably not want to watch it, not because of any potential trauma, just because it sounds boring. That's what it would be. It sounds boring. That's what I would get. You know, what's a funeral? Well, basically, you know, if, if someone dies and they go in a coffin and they either get put in a deep hole in the ground while, you know, people pray for them and, and their family are around or they, they go in a big oven. Yeah, sounds boring. I'm out. Sounds boring. That's what I would get, for sure. How about you? How would you feel? I mean, obviously, you don't have any kids, but, if, you know, you know, you've got nieces that you're very fond of and close to. How would you feel if, if they... Said Uncle Nicky, we've had to watch a funeral on the computer at school. I said, I don't know. Was it good? <laughs> what hymns did they sing? Yeah. Any steak pie? Was it nice? <laughs> Was it a burial? Was it a burning? <laughs> Any questions? Yeah. There you go. Here's Lady Die on YouTube. There we go. Now that's a funeral. That was a funeral. No one had any choice in that. It was fucking beamed on BBC TV. No one complained about that at the time, did they? I guess they had other things in their mind, but, you know, nobody complained about that. That was shown live. My uh, my my presiding memory of uh, of the of of the Saturday that they had the Princess Diana funeral on the TV was that like, my mum and my stepdad never really seemed to be particularly royalist in any shape or form, but they they were watching um, the funeral on the TV down the stairs. So I left them too. I went up to my room and I, I was, you know, I can play the guitar to a, a wee bit. So I was sitting kind of plunking away my guitar. <laughs> Up the stairs in my room, and the next thing my stepdad shouts up the stairs saying, Stop playing the guitar! Show some bloody respect! <laughs> what? Really? <laughs> you should have played Candle in the Wind. Ah, oh, see, if I'd known the chords, I could have done. I could, I could have said, Oh, I'm playing, uh, yeah, I'm playing Elton John, I'm showing respect. What were you playing, you disrespectful bastard? Were you playing I'm Still Standing? Okay, or remember. something, or. It's probably like. Uh, Rocket if... Queen or something? Or... <laughs> If I think about my, um, my my sort of standards in those days, it was probably the opening. It, it could have been the either the opening chords of Iron Man by Black Sabbath, or maybe uh, the I don't know the sort of one part of the solo of Live and Let Die by the Guns N' Roses version. Well, yeah, kind of inappropriate. Yeah. I don't know, but maybe it's what Diana would have wanted. Who knows? I don't know. I, I, I don't know what she was into. Well, I think she was into, like, Paul McCartney. So it, as long as it was the, the Wings version of Live and Let mm-hmm. Die and yeah. not the Guns N' Roses version, then you'd be okay. Yeah, well, I mean, it is a, it's a bit of an unusual thing to do, especially now when we know that people, you know, people, broadly speaking, are like open nerves in terms of sensitivity, especially when it comes to their kids. So it's a bit of a surprising decision on the part of the council to force kids to watch a live stream of a funeral. Yeah, I think it was a little bit of a misstep there, and I wouldn't imagine... They'll be doing that again anytime soon. Unless, of course, they take my suggestion on board about making it an educational experience, in which case, maybe they will. Well, there you go. We can look into that. Uh, West Lothian Council, if you're listening, try a Viking funeral next time. All right. Well, then, shall we lighten things up and have a little chat about what we're going to talk about this week? So, since it is Hogmanay, and it was your choice this week, Greg, we decided to talk about... Uh, I think we can say a Scottish institution. What are we going to talk about this week? Uh, we're going to talk about the sublime Scotch and Rye, which used to be on on Hogmanay. That's December the 31st for anybody who's not uh, familiar with the terminology uh, in Scotland. Starring Ricky Fulton, who, I don't know about you, but I hadn't, I hadn't watched uh, anything with Ricky Fulton in it for years and years. I certainly hadn't watched any Scotch and Rye for a long time. 
And I was surprised at just how he's one of these guys where there's a few like, comedians and sort of comedy actors like him where you just look at him and you can't help but start to sort of smile or laugh. You know what I mean? He's just one of those guys. Uh, we saw him obviously in uh, Comfort and Joy last week. Um, so I, I guess that was the first time that I'd, I'd seen him in anything for a long time. And you know, we said how you know he, he's, he's in danger of sort of stealing the film in the in the small kind of scenes that he's in, but. Uh, but yeah, it was. I was surprised uh, at how much revisiting uh, Scotch and Rye kind of made me laugh because I thought it would be, I thought it would feel a bit old-fashioned or a bit out of touch or whatever. But I still found it really. I still found a lot of it really, really funny. As 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 dated as some of the references obviously now are. I'll do a few uh, a few Scotch and Rye uh, a few Scotch and Rye facts. It initially ran for two series of, uh, in 1978 and 1979 before coming a a, a Hogmanay special where it ran for over 10 years. Um, it developed from a programme called The Scotch Earth Show, which was a, a, a one-off special, sort of Scottish comedy sketch show that was broadcast on New Year's Day 1977, starring Ricky Fulton. He had uh, just finished his Ricky TV series on STV. Uh, a lot of the humour in Scotch and Rye is, is it's very Scottish, but it's also quite sort of west of Scotland, particularly Glaswegian. So a lot of the references are they, they they make fun of the sort of sectarian divide in Glasgow between uh, Rangers fans and and Celtic fans and they make you know they reference and make fun of some areas of Glasgow like uh, Castle Milk or Postle Park or Newton Mearns and places like that. So how did you what's your memories of, of Scotch and Rye? Do you can you remember getting to stay up for the bells and and watching it? I I remember Scotch and Rye from Hogmanay and that is obviously what you associate it with if you were to say to me Scotch and Rye the first thing I think of is going round to like my uncle's house and I would say a few uncles actually that I had and they all had Scotch and Rye on VHS right and I think because it was probably uh the kind of present you would buy for you know, my uncles at that time would have been in their, like, kind of probably mid-40s. You know, kind of, at that time, it would be that kind of present you would get for them. I think one uncle I remember, he basically had, like, three VHSs. Two of them were Scotch and Rye, and one was Billy Connolly. But I do remember it being on at Hogmanay. And it is something of a, a kind of Scottish institution. And I'm going to be very curious as to what happens next year, because you have had Scotch and Rye, and then I guess kind of, like, Chewing the Fat and Still Game kind of took over the mantle, but generally now it's only an excuse that is kind of the, that's my new year, kind of is only an excuse. And of course that's coming to an end, this Hogmanay. And, but Scotch and Rye, yes, I, I, I remember it and I wouldn't say I was overly familiar with it. However, watching back a couple of episodes that we did, I was, there were quite a few sketches I remembered. And I did find it very funny and hilarious watching it. And it's such a, a nice kind of gentle humour as well. Uh, I'd say this maybe, I think I did make a note. There's about maybe four or five sketches wouldn't be allowed nowadays. But it's nothing massively offensive, but still quite offensive as the, the culture we have now. So it wouldn't be allowed. But generally, I mean, we can't give out a, a swearing award this week because I don't think there's a single swear word in anything I watched. A lot of the the sketches that are in Scotch and Rye 
the, the first few anyway, were actually scripts that were rejected by the two Ronnies. And I can see that in it. I, there's a lot of Scotch and Rye that I can see the two Ronnies doing because I, I, as a kid, I was a massive two Ronnies fan. I loved the two Ronnies. Sunday night, two Ronnies. Oh, I loved it. And I can see a lot of the humour in there. And there's quite a lot of sketches, especially a lot of the party sketches, that I can kind of imagine the two Ronnies doing. But them also thinking, that's not good enough for us. But as you say about Ricky Fulton, he just has, he's not like a, it's not like a physical comedian, but it's his facial expressions and, and the way that he does it. And I did read something online, and I don't know if this is true, but apparently it was done because Scotch and Rye used to go out like, I think about maybe half an hour before the bells. Like, that was when it generally went out. And it was designed in a way that kids, if they were staying up, could be sat in front of the TV watching it whilst there was a loud party going on in the background. And they they might not be able to heed everything, but they could still laugh at some of the kind of, you know, visual humour that was in it. And when you see it, a lot of that does... You know, that could be true because it does kind of make sense when you see a lot of the sketches. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I mean, there's... Uh, I mean, I don't know about you. I mean, how old were you? Can you remember how old you were the first time you were allowed to stay up for the bells? Oh, I, I, no, I can't remember. I mean, I don't know, maybe about 10 or something. I don't know. Like I I maybe 10, 11. Yeah. I think, I think about that age. So, you know, that would have been about like 91, 92 for me. So, you know, Scotch and Rye was kind of finished, you know, on its arse, you know, mm-hmm. by then. So, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really remember seeing it as such on New Year. I mean, for me, I didn't really get to see it in New Year, but that was because we were living in um, England uh, from when I was about nine until I was about 13. So I never, I never saw it, but my dad used to tape it. And I would so whenever I was going up to see my dad in Glasgow in sort of January, I would always have Scotch and Rye to look forward to watching. So he would tape it for me every year. Like he would often tape it because he wanted to watch it, but he might have been at a Hogwarts party or he might have been working or whatever and not got to see it. So that was my introduction. But I, I, I can identify with what you said earlier about going to see your uncles and them having, and I can see the sleeve of those old Scotch and Rye videos like it's Ricky Fulton and his super cop character with a red jacket and a helmet on and a sort of kind of tartany background cover you know in the in the and uh, Scotch and Rye down the, the sort of spine and you're absolutely right like every household that I remember as a little boy there was a few staple sort of videos because people didn't really own videos in the same way when we were young as they probably did when we were older you know what I mean? You might have a couple, but you would go and you would you would rent them. You know what I mean? But there was invariably one or two volumes of Scotch and Rye. There was almost always the Billy Conley at the Albert Hall concert, Billy and Albert. Uh, and sometimes there'd be like a Roy Chubby Brown video there as well that you were never allowed to watch. I mean, we wouldn't have got away with watching Billy Conley either because obviously uh, Billy Conley is quite sweary in his stand-up. Um, even back then in the in the mid eighties, he was pretty sweary. So, so that that, that was how I would get to see Scotch and Rye because it w- obviously wasn't on in England anyway. So even when I was old enough to be able to stay up, Scotch and Rye wasn't on. Uh, the, the, the 
on STV because it was when I lived in Barwon Furnace, so it was Granada. I don't, I, I can't even tell you what was on. And so when I was sitting up with my wee snowball, heavily diluted with lemonade, um, to to see in the bells, I, I, I don't think I'm not even sure the TV was on. To be honest, no, there was only once it was shown in England. And it was in 1983. It was shown UK wide, and then I guess the English didn't really get it, so it wasn't shown again. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, like watching the sketches back, uh, a lot of sketches back. I think like a lot of uh, Scots who, you know, like sort of like Aberdeen, for example, there was probably a lot of people with Aberdeen watching it who a lot of those really Glaswegian references would have been completely lost on. You know, I, there was there's, there's a sketch that stands out to me. When the guy, when Ricky Fulton's trying to tell the joke in the pub, and he says, "Oh, they, you know," he starts off. It's these two Aberdonian guys, and the Aber- and the they, the character who comes up to say that he's from Aberdeen uh, and doesn't appreciate jokes about Aberdonians. He sounds more like he's from fucking Orkney. <laughs> Aberdeen. Yes, I I had that in my notes. Like it's a terrible Aberdeen accent, and yeah. there are a couple of Aberdonian jokes. That one, and then there's the the Beech Grove Garden sketch as well oh that was really which funny they do but <laughs> that was really I, funny. I, I did have that it is very glasgow centric humor whereas mm. i got all of the jokes but is yeah. that nowadays because you're exposed to so much more whereas you know back in the day would that have been a bit more insular that yeah people wouldn't have got the joke I, i'm not sure I, uh, yeah but that's a great sketch in terms of the that's quite a foresight. I mean, to go into speaking about some of the sketches, the the one where he is in the pub telling the joke and it starts off with these two Aberdonians and then it goes into like the two Irish and then it goes into the, the, the West Indians and, you know, and then it's females and all these people are coming in and then he ends up, the joke's basically about these two Spanish hermaphrodites. <laughs> yeah. And then about five sketches later, he mentions Spanish hermaphrodites again. Was Ricky Fulton obsessed with Spanish hermaphrodites? That was the other thing that surprised me about watching it back because I think you you made the point earlier on. There's a lot of sort of beats that they take in a lot of these sketches that just wouldn't get away with. In particular, the sketch that we're talking about with the joke and the West Indian guys. And it's two white guys in blackface <laughs> playing <laughs> West Indians. Yeah. And, and mm. with dreadful accents... And, and I was a bit sort of, you're kind of watching it, you know, because not because I was offended. I, you know, I'm not easily offended. It's, this is like something of, from nearly 40 years ago. You know, no excuse for it, I guess, whatever. But it was just more sort of, God, can you imagine if, uh, can you imagine if, if like, somebody was to find this and make a big deal about it on Twitter or if somebody tried to do humour like that now with a white fella? And like with foundation on his face and a sort of nitty beanie on, you just wouldn't get away with it. It would be a, there'd be a fucking outcry. I mean, earlier this year there was a lot of stuff came out in terms of you know like Little Britain and Bo Selecta was kind of hauled over the coals. I think maybe Scotch and Rye was just maybe too early for that to be you know kind of offensive. I mean, it, if you look at like the young ones, you know from like nineteen eighty two type thing, there's a lot of offensive humour in that. And that didn't get kind of hauled over the coals, so to speak, because I guess it was kind of like, it, it's too early. It was mostly stuff that was kind of in the 90s or 
Oh, I mean, Little Britain was like early 2000s. That's so, still... Yeah, so it was Bo Selector. Bad in terms of that time, yeah. So... I mean, I, I think, think that... though, I think it's more because that's like a actually quite a tiny part of like, what we're talking about, Scotch and Rye. It's like, it's like a fleeting part of something bigger. And um, then the young ones, you know, I'm thinking about sort of Lenny Henry dressed up as Hitler, like the kind of Nazi postman and stuff. But it's it's like, it's like sort of fleeting part. It's not really the main core of the humour. Of you know, the kind of the, the core of the humour, the humour of the young ones is the characters and students and stuff like that. Whereas like Bo Selecta, obviously you had them dressed up as Michael Jackson and Craig David and um, Scary Spice. And, yeah, and then in Little Britain, there's the character that Matt Lucas plays in the sort of health farm, the sort of overweight black lady in the health farm. And I think they did another black lady character on that club uh, come fly with me that they did after mm. little britain the sort of fake yeah. um, airport documentary so you know i sort of you know i think like i say i uh, i'm married to a west indian family not all of them obviously but um you know I, they they don't take offense to it so the guy don't take offense on their behalf but you look know, i appreciate that some people do and you know it's fair enough but uh but you know we're kind of getting back to the sketch, you know, he, he, to your point, he goes through all the possibilities that he can. It's an Aberdonian guy, and then it's Irish guys, then it's West Indian guys, then it's a woman, and then to settle on a Spanish hermaphrodite. It's just the most random fucking thing. But also, do you not think that sketch is quite ahead of its time? Because it's also about trying not to offend people and not trying to tell a funny joke but you can't be offensive and obviously it's it's difficult because the people that he's offending effectively are in the bar yeah so he's thinking right well there's no way there's going to be a spanish hermaphrodite in this bar (laughs) (laughs) yes so it's i can see the joke and it was almost like it was ahead of its time he's he's making like a, a not Ricky Fulton, but whoever wrote the sketch is making a commentary on how ridiculous this is that you you can't even tell a joke anymore without offending someone. And for that to be back in like early 80s and speaking about it now, it's quite, you know, the foresight in that was incredible. I think the term that people use for that sort of thing now is meta. However, four sketches later, he has no issue of, and probably for me, this is the most... No, yeah, it's one of the most famous Scotch and Rye sketches is about Rangers signing the first Catholic. And that's a, a fine line to tread at that time, I would imagine, because yeah. this is pre-Mo Johnson. Mm-hmm. I mean, but, but Mo Johnson wasn't the first Catholic to be signed for Rangers. They signed a couple of Catholics in the 70s, but they were able to keep it like super quiet. I can't remember who their names were. But they did. The, the Catholics had signed for Rangers before Mo Johnson. But it was it was... It was hot, but by all accounts, it was kept completely hush hush, never really discussed until obviously Mo Johnson. It, you couldn't probably have signed a more a higher profile Catholic football player in Scotland at the time, you know. And I think it's the the play, and obviously starting a young Gerard Kelly, who is a a Swally favourite as well, and pops in a couple of a sketches, not as much as. Gregor Fisher and Tony Roper, which we'll we'll come back to later, but Jenner uh, uh, Kelly's brilliant in, in this role and the kind of naive young player, and, and 
would be one of my nominations for the most Scottish moment in terms of the over the shows we watched is I mean obviously when you're speaking about Scotch and Rye everything is so Scottish but when he's asking him about you you know have you ever had any injuries have you ever had this you ever had this trying to find a way out and he's like have you ever had a pluke <laughs> the word pluke is just so you know wonderfully Scottish and uh, I, I, I loved that and that was kind of one of the notes that I'd put down but yeah it's a it's a very famous sketch because it's been shared so much on social media it's it's i think it's it's actually quite a cleverly written sketch because it's you know it's really making fun of the to your point the 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 sort of perceived way that the club was ran at the time you know in the early 80s so it's it's not really making fun of this young catholic player that gregor fisher is the is the talent scout he's trying to get on the books at ibrox it's more making fun of um you know like ricky fulton's his character's prejudices, and you know, in the you know, and the thing, what I think, what makes it really funny is, regardless of what side of the divide that you kind of fell upon at that time, whether you were a Celtic fan or a Rangers fan, Catholic, Protestant, you still have a laugh at it. You know what I mean? There was no the, the Rangers fans could laugh at uh, Fulton's character's reaction and what you said before about trying to find a way out of getting this, getting rid of this young. I, uh, this young Catholic player, and the Celtic fans could laugh about it because obviously they could laugh at the prejudice of the Rangers manager. <laughs> really, really well written. I'm pretty sure that that wasn't a rejected sketch from the two Ronnies. <laughs> no, and it, as you say, it's the look on Fulton's face when the when he says, "You know, I scored seven goals in the first half. I wish I'd played the second half. Did you were injured? No, I had to go to mass." Ah, Sally tells me you scored seven goals in the first half on Saturday. Aye, too bad I missed the second. Aye, too bad. What happened? Were you injured? No, to go to mass. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's that's quite a it's it's a decent length sketch, and that's what I liked about obviously the shows we watched, and I I did have a little look. So the well, we can reveal that. We watched the first sort of best of Scotch and Rye, and then I watched the second Scotch and Rye, whereas you ended up watching the third. So we're going to have a little bit of different when we come to speaking about the other ones. But I can say about the first two, uh, the first episode runs for an hour and 29 minutes, and it has 38 sketches in it, which means you've got a sketch every like 2.34 minutes is each sketch. Now, some of them are like 30 seconds long, whereas some of them can go on for five minutes, but it's a nice little balance. And the second one's quite similar in that it's got 35 sketches in the same time frame, so it's two minutes, 54 seconds per sketch. And you do have some that go on a little bit longer than you think is necessary, whereas some are just very quick in and out sketches and and are great. Yeah, very punchy. Yeah, there was a sketch on the one that I watched, the, uh, the triple dose of Scotch and Rye, which I remember seeing a version of the same sketch on Naked Video. And it was, as we were talking about before, when Mo Johnson had signed for Rangers. And it's the guy, he's outside Ibrox, and he's selling posters of Mo Johnson in his Rangers jersey. Get your Mo Johnson posters. Get in the, the Rangers fans are walking past singing, follow, follow. Get your Mo Johnson. And then he hears some Celtic fans coming singing. It's a grand old team to play for. 
And he's like, get your Bo Johnson dartboards. Get your Bo Johnson dartboards right here. I remember seeing the same sketch on Naked Video a bit like, I guess it was after Scotch and Rye, but it was like two stands. There was like one stand selling the posters and one stand selling the same thing, but selling them as dartboards, you know? I think there's a lot of humour that still works nowadays, but in terms of stuff that won't fly, we obviously mentioned the earlier sketch about the, the West Indians. The other one in the first episode, and it's, I can't work out if this would work or not now, and it's a it's a kind of double header sketch. It's the the gentleman who is obviously a homosexual and is him and his friends are ordering cocktails and he goes up to the bar and there's the two guys that obviously look menacing and he's like oh, I'll just have four pints of heavy. <laughs> yeah. And then a few minutes later, you know, the next sketch comes in that he goes up and he's like, "Can I buy you a drink?" And it turns out that these guys are gay as well. <laughs> now that is. That turns it on its head, and would that be allowed nowadays? Like, I, I don't know how I'm going to stand with this, if, if I edit this out or not, but I, I find that very funny, because it does turn, like, a stereotype on its head, and it's not making fun out of the guy. It's making fun out of the other two, effectively. I, I thought, again, it's quite it's a really clever sketch, because... To your, to your point, the, the sort of first one of them, it's like, it, it does, it, it plays exactly like you said, like it's making fun out of this uh, gay fella. He's, he's memorised quite a complicated round of drinks. He's a bit intimidated by the heavy sort of working men at the bar and he just orders a few pints of heavy. And then for, you know, when he comes back up and it, you, know, you say it turns, and he offers to buy them a drink and it turns out that they are quite effeminate and probably homosexual as well. And um I don't know. I mean, I think I think that sort of takes the sting out of it as far as the offence goes. You know what I mean? It's not like it's it, they're not it's because they're not making fun of effeminate gay guys after all. You know, like like we thought they were in the last sketch. Actually, they're not. They're just kind of making fun of a sort of you know a sort of socially awkward situation. You know what I mean? It, it, it doesn't it, it doesn't feel like any of those sketches are written with any sort of um, sort of malice toward minorities or whatever you know what i mean i think you have to be careful of where you tread but then you could say anything about scotch and rye of in terms of you know in some scenes is he making fun out of punks is he making fun out of teddy boys like anyone could be offended i think the probably a sketch that could be most in trouble is the the scene with the super cop and when he bumps into gregor fisher as the alien Oh, yeah. who is called Queer. <laughs> and he does, he's trying to get his details, and he does say, are you a, a P-word? Which I'm not going to say on the podcast, but you can imagine what it is. It, it's a slang term for homosexual. Rhymes with roof. That was the first I was like, oh, oh, okay. And But then again, it kind of, you know, he says, I, I am queer. I knew it. And it's no, my name is Queer. I travelled around Uranus. <laughs> and he does make a reference in terms of, well, if that's your lifestyle choice, then it's up to you. But again, at the end of the day, the the kind of, he gets, you know, he's the butt of the joke at the end. Yeah. Because he gets turned into the five-year-old. And yeah. That's what you're thinking. It was very forward thinking because it is, it's not making fun. It's, it's kind of making lighthearted humour, but 
it's not disparaging yeah. about certain group. I'm having to be very careful about what I see. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he is, and they can, in almost all the sketches, regardless of whether they're a bit, you know, in 2020, they're a bit sort of sensitive in terms of minorities, whatever. He always, the character of Fulton Fraser always tends to be the butt of the joke. You know what I mean? You know, there's 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 very few sketches that he sort of comes out of as the winner, especially that sort of super cop um, character. <laughs> I mean, I think that's that might be his most famous Scotch and Rye character. I'm pretty, it's certainly the one that he played the most often, right? I no? I would say uh, Rev. I am Jolly. Yeah, you're right. Actually, it's yeah. the most famous. No, you're. I would say Super Cop is is number second, two, definitely. Yeah. There's a sketch in that, the one that I watched that you didn't watch, where that character uh, is having to talk uh, suicide, a, a, a guy threatening to commit suicide, uh, try to kind of talk him down. And you know, every time he kind of takes off his goggles, he always makes them, he always act, or accidentally makes them fly off his head when he takes the yes. goggles off. He's in, he's in the living room and he, t- he, t- he t- in the, the, the guy who is uh, threatening to commit suicide's wife is there and he's explaining the situation he's you know leave it to me and he takes the goggles off and they fly out the window so when he steps out on the ledge and uh, Tony Roper is playing the guy he's like at the, on the ledge a bit like uh, the famous scene in Lethal Weapon and Ricky Fulton pops his head out and says did you just see a pair of goggles come flying out this window here <laughs> you know, it's really really funny uh, you, you said you mentioned um, uh, Tony Roper there I mean obviously Tony Roper is a, a sort of stalwart uh, Scottish comedy, probably most famous um, for playing Rabsy Nesbitt's pal Jamesy in the Naked Video and, and Rabsy Nesbitt, the TV show. But, but I, I, I looked up Tony Roper a bit because I'd forgotten that Tony Roper played such a big part in Scotch and Rang. So I, I, so I, 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 I couldn't believe that he was born in 1941. And Gregor Fisher was born in 1953 because they're like the two kind of, they were certainly the two male actors that are in the most scenes alongside Ricky Fulton. But, you know, because I always thought my introduction to Tony Roper was a naked video and then Rabsy Nesbitt. And then I, I found out later on that he'd written the Steamy. And I remember thinking, you know, I remember sort of thinking, well, you know, he's uh, quite a young sort of actor. He, he, he doesn't, doesn't look his age in um, Scotch and Ryan. I guess he would have been in his, in his 40s, but he looks. Like quite a young, fresh-faced uh, kind of comic actor in all the Scotch and Rye sketches. But he'd been acting for... He's in the fucking Wicker Man. A small part, right enough. He's in, he's in the Wicker Man. He was acting in the... As, as early as the late 1960s. He certainly is. He does look very young in Scotch and Rye, I'll agree with you. And yeah, Tony Roper is a, a legend. And I'm the same. I, I think probably the first I knew of him was in terms of Jamesy. You know, in in Rab and probably Naked Video as well, and then of course finding out that he wrote the Steamy, and that is something we will definitely be doing on the Swally because I have very fond memories of the Steamy, and I haven't watched it in years, so I'm looking forward to that. And he's still sharp as attack, is Tony. He's off and on off the ball uh, on occasion, and he he has been responsible for one of the most hilarious off the ball kind of tropes of of recent years i think it was about five or six years ago and he was telling a story about it was childhood games you used to play when you were a kid and you know most people were like kirby and stuff and tony told this story about him well when i was a kid we used to play touch the dog's earth <laughs> and it's a, it's a story 
basically there'd be a stray dog like roaming around the streets and it was whoever could get closest and touch the dog's like arsehole and run away without getting attacked was the winner and they still mention it on off the ball like every week pretty much to this day about touch the dog's ears <laughs> and that's Tony Roper like he's yeah he's brilliant and he in some scenes he is yeah he looks so young and he's so brilliant I think in the, the first episode, now I'm, I'm losing track here because obviously we watched different ones, but the first one, I think he's the, he's like the head of the, the driving school when <laughs> yeah. he said, that's a good sketch. Vince Ricky Fulton to take this 79 year old out for our 79th driving lesson. And when he's speaking about, uh, she killed a duck, <laughs> she followed it up the close. <laughs> the other week there. She killed a wee dog. <laughs> a poor wee defenceless puppy. Well, it shouldn't have been in the middle of the road. We were on the pavement! <laughs> oh, please, don't, don't let me. The, the poor wee dog, I mean, that ran up a close. She still got it. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing, because he's. I guess in quite a lot of the sketches, he's a bit, he's a, he's a bit of the sort of Ernie Wise to Ricky Fulton's Eric Morecambe, like it's sort of straight, archetypal straight man. But he still manages to be not like a hundred percent a straight guy. Do you know what I mean? He's, you know, he, he's, he's still. I guess it's really part of his DNA. He can't whether it's the writing or whether it's just him, he can't really help but be funny. As he's doing it, I mean, w- one of the sketches that I don't know if it was on that first one or the second one I watched, but I remember. Do you remember a, an advertising campaign for One Polly, the travel agent, One Polly? And so, if you and I were in the advert, I would come to you and I would say, "Oh, Nikki, you can fly to Magaluf with One Polly and get seven nights and all inclusive for a hundred and thirty pounds." And you would say, "Ah, oh, get away now, just disappear." Right, that would, I that remember was, yeah. the campaign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get away, bing, you be going. And there's there's one that he does on Scotch and Rye where he's <laughs> he's mountain climbing and he's the guy holding the rope at the top of the mountain for the other guy to climb up. And the guy says, "Oh, if we booked this rock climbing holiday through Van Polly, we would have got seventy pounds off." <laughs> and the guy's like, "Really? Get away!" Tony Roper disappears. <laughs> the guy falls after <laughs> He's in probably my favourite sketch out of the two episodes I watched. And it's in the second one, which you didn't watch. So you won't know it. But it's a, it's a very quick, like, 40-second sketch. And it's a, a drinks party. And Ricky Fulton comes up to him and he effectively says, like, I, I know you from somewhere. Where do I know you from? And he's like, ah, oh, I've just got one of those faces. Like, I, I don't know. He's like, no, we've met before. I definitely know you. We've met. Like, I, I know you. And he's like, nah, I, I don't know. I, I don't recognise you. It could be anywhere. He's like, ah, I, I, I never forget a face. What is it you do? And Tony Roper just turns around and says, I manage a sex shop in Morningside. <laughs> and Ricky Fulton's like, ah, no, sorry, I don't know you. <laughs> you have to see it to appreciate it, but it's so, the comedic timing, it's so funny. But yeah, he's brilliant, as is Gregor Fisher, who is in a lot of sketches in the, the first couple anyway. And I think he'd left 
when Rabsi Nesbitt started becoming quite big and he couldn't commit the time, but he's fantastic as well. Like, he's so good in terms of it's like, he can almost play any role. He's, he's, you know, he's, his comic timing, and I mean, a lot of the time he's reacting to whatever character Ricky Fulton's playing, but his reactions are absolutely brilliant. You know, there's there's a sketch, and again, I can't remember which which one it's in, but uh, Gregor Fisher plays like the father of the bride, uh, and it's the and Ricky Fulton plays the father of the groom, and it's the first time the parents are meeting, and um, and Ricky Fulton, so Gregor's character and the wife are quite well-to-do, sort of Newton Mearns, sort of wealthy Glaswegians, speak very properly because we're from. Bishop Briggs or Newton Mearns or whatever they're from. And uh, Ricky Fulton's character is sort of Deniston, a bit more down to earth, a bit rough and ready. And they sort of fall out because Ricky Fulton's just, you know, he's just out of order. He's brought like a carry out, <laughs> whackers and all that. Try to get the wife up to dance and everything. And they go, oh, I would never let my wife marry into this family. And there's a sort of a, a, a little kind of brief moment of poignancy where people can say, look, I know we're a bit rough and ready, but, you know, it's about the kids and we just wanted a good impression and it didn't mean to offend you. I'm really sorry. And uh, Gregor Fisher says, no, no, look, you're absolutely right. We've overreacted. Let's go down, Let's go and see the minister tomorrow. Ricky Fulton's like, the minister? Like, come on, you. Get the hell out of here. Because <laughs> obviously, but yeah, just, you know, his, his reaction to it. You know, his reaction to the many different characters that Ricky Fulton plays. And quite quite often he's like a sort of cohort. You know, that sketch we spoke about earlier with the effeminate guy placing the, the big drinks sort of the complicated drinks order. Gregor Fisher's the other sort of heavy along with Ricky Fulton. You know, he's a fantastic comic actor, Gregor Fisher. really is. Yeah, he really is. And I think there's a lot of language jokes as well. I did like the the cooking segments with Dickie Dandruff as well. But the, <laughs> the standout for me is the I would put the peppers in, the green peppers, the red peppers, and the Sunday peppers. Ramming the Sunday times into the, the dish. The better that that is when he's he's got the microwave and he's got the match. And he's like, I can't get this thing to light. And the, the guy walks past with the goggles and the scarf on. And he, he goes, oh, it's because the pilot's got it. <laughs> it's like so, like almost, you know, so sort of, almost kind of sort of Monty Python-ish in terms of the ridiculousness of the humour, but really funny. And that's, that's it. It's quite surreal. And there's a lot of two Ronnie's kind of jokes as well. One you would have missed, but you will probably know from the second one, because it's quite a famous one, is the it's Ricky Fulton and his wife sitting down at the dinner table and the wife gets a letter or something at the breakfast table and she said oh it's a letter from my sister oh oh goodness and she <laughs> puts the letter in front of him and said is that an O or an I and uh, he says that's an O he goes oh my god my brother's shot himself would you say that was an O or an I that's an O Oh my God, my brother shot himself. <laughs> <laughs> it's the childish humour. That, that wouldn't be a mess in a two Ronnie sketch. No. <laughs> and the thing is, I, I know that like, at like, 10, 11 years old, I'd be on the floor. I mean, fuck me. I'm, for, I'm 42 and I've got tears in my eyes laughing at it. But at 10 or 11 years old, I'd be on the floor at that. 
I that massively highlighted is that is one of my favourite parts of it. Speaking about uh, obviously guest stars as well, the the first episode we watched there was Archie McPherson. In the second episode I watched, uh, the the second sketch is Super Cop. And he pulls over a car and the goggles fly off and he knocks on the door and says, uh, all right, Sterling, I'm out. And out comes Mark McManus. And he says, right, first name, Ed, oh, sorry, he says, what's your name? Taggart. First name, Chief Inspector. <laughs> <laughs> so there's like a three minute sketch between the two. Possibly Mark McManus's worst acting I've ever seen. Like, I... He just, he doesn't, it wasn't convincing enough. And it's it's a shame because having watched Tiger, Mark McManus is a hell of a comedic actor, but in terms of deadpan comedic, but I don't know if it was like acting opposite Ricky Fulton. He was, he almost just seemed a bit like stiff and kind of, yeah, it wasn't, it, he didn't do it kind of justice, but it, which I felt was a shame because it was a very funny moment. And I think that's one of the most famous kind of, sketches as well about the the two of them meeting but yeah but i was we, we we touched on it before we haven't really kind of got into a lot of detail on it but the late call sketches where ricky fulton's playing a number of different ministers you know i think the the, the i am jolly character came a wee bit later on but uh like the first one in that episode that we both watched when he plays the reverend as a good child and his vodka and he David Goodchild and his his vodka's been his water's been switched with vodka by mistake by David Heyman, the quite a famous uh, Scottish actor, doing a little cameo in that role there in that sketch. Sketch <laughs> progressively drunker. You obviously have to suspend a little bit of disbelief in that in terms of how drunk he yeah. gets so quickly over a three minute sketch, but the acting is hilarious and I, I genuinely burst out laughing. Uh, it's Ricky Fulton's acting, uh, but it's the, that's lovely water. Where'd you get a water? <laughs> Seems to get off camera. It's, it's such a beautiful delivery. Yes, you have to suspend a little bit of disbelief at see how drunk he gets so quickly. But yeah, it's a, it's a classic sketch. And I think a lot of people would probably think that that was Reverend I Am Jolly, in terms of yeah. because he's the most famous later on yeah you associate yeah. last call with him he actually does it in the second episode and it's ricky fulton dressed up in drag as a elderly woman <laughs> and it's about a a woman that has been to like some missionary and has kind of escaped this close call some thing she's been in in africa and it's called um ida close shave is her name (laughs) (laughs) and it's it's not the best the best bit about the sketch in my opinion is her name uh but yeah it it's quite good but that was some of the last calls but yeah i think i am jolly is uh kind of the most famous but to be honest i don't find him that funny i I get it he's a you know kind of Mm. depressed doer kind of reverent but yeah I'm not a huge fan of those segments. And I can see what they were doing. They're taking the piss out of the... Uh, Late call. Do you remember the the, the things yeah. they used to do on STV? The... It wasn't just STV. I mean, all the regional ITV channels had a version of something like Late Call, where they would have a... I mean, I, I don't think there were... I don't know if there was many priests, but there was definitely... 
about a minister, um, and they would come on and give a wee sort of bedtime message, you know, a little uh, allegorical story about something that they'd seen when they were out walking through Queen's Park in Glasgow or something like that. And, you know, and they'd out walking through Queen's Park in Glasgow and saw some wee boy sailing his yacht. And, you know, it really made me think about... Uh, Jesus when he met Peter on the Sea of Galilee when they were fishing. <laughs> I mean, it was that sort of uh, tenuous link to some little biblical lesson. And it would always be on around kind of midnight. As I mentioned, again, on the Taggart episode when I would stay at my granny's. And my, my granny was a, a consumer of television and she would stay up awfully late and I would always be put on the sofa to sleep because she didn't want to share a bed with a little boy. It's fair enough. You know, I could never sleep because the telly was on. And it, it wouldn't matter what was on, but I'd always, end, I would always, always, always not fall asleep until she had gone to her bed. And she would always generally stay up to watch Prisoner, which was usually on after late call. That's what I was going to say. Correct me if I'm wrong, but was it not like, okay, you'd have late call and then it would be, and now, Prisoner Cell Block H. Prisoner Cell Block H. Uh, you're like, okay, wait a minute. Uh, so we're going from this to Australian women in prison. I think I think probably the shed that whoever was in charge of doing the scheduling for SDV <clears throat> excuse me, it would have been like, well, probably the all the sensitive people will probably have gone to bed after late call. You know what I mean? Like all the all the all the elderly people and stuff and blah 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 and you know and prisoners just on for like the hardcore, like the people that are working the night shift that have got a television in their own and wherever they're working or the insomniacs or or the students or whoever is staying up this late, you know, I, I don't think they anticipated we Hamilton Hill pensioners that could not get enough prisoner cell block H. <laughs> but no, I like I I, I do remember uh, late call, and you know the funny thing is now that I'm a bit older, obviously late call is is, is I don't think it's been on for maybe thirty years or more. But now that I'm a bit older, I. I, I, I listen to Radio 4 on occasion because they for the news, but there's sometimes there's some quite interesting little documentary radio shows. I listen to it more before I get into listening to podcasts, to be honest, because there were quite a lot of documentaries of Radio 4 that were a bit kind of podcasty. We were about something interesting. But they still have, in the morning, on the news on Radio 4, a wee late call style religious message from somebody like the, whoever it is a bishop or someone in the Church of England who comes on and gives a wee five-minute life-affirming message. And it always makes me think a wee bit about Scotch and Rye. <laughs> and Ricky Fulton playing one of these ministers, probably most famously, excuse me, um, I am Reverend I am, I am Joel. If we're talking about what we've gone over in terms of, and we've watched different episodes, basically, but what would you say was your favourite sketch that you'd watched I think I think it's the guy trying to tell the joke in the pub. It was kind of between that and the and the Gerard Kelly signing for Rangers sketch. But I think it's I, th- I think my favourite one is the guy trying to tell the joke in the pub. What about you? I think the the Gerard Kelly Rangers is I, 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 I've seen it so often. I think the one I laughed at the most is the is that an O or an I? Uh, my brother shot himself. Um, I, I mean that's fantastic. Either that, or I did laugh at the the drinks party of I run a sex shop in mornings. Uh, yeah, there's a lot there. Another one that made me laugh out loud, and it's a wee short one, is 
when he's, he's sort of dressed up as a kind of teddy boy and he's at the party and he goes over at the girl who's sitting down and he's like, are you dancing? She says, are you asking? I am asking. And she gets up and he sits there and goes, and she says, well, I'm dancing. So I thank Christ, my feet are killing me. <laughs> next to her seat. So that's a, that's a throwback to Francie and Josie days, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's like a sure. catchphrase, kind of, you dance it and I'm asking. Oh, if I'm asking, yeah, yeah. I'm dancing. I, I don't know an awful lot of uh, Francie and Josie stuff. I know that they, him and Jack Milroy, uh, there's a farewell performance at the, I think it's at the King's Theatre in Glasgow. It's the King's the Pavilion in Glasgow, I can't remember. Um, and I, I watched a wee bit of it today, just like a few minutes of it, first maybe five or ten minutes of it. I don't know enough. I think it's certainly it's like my grandparents' sort of generation, Francie and Josie. So maybe I'll, I'll watch it to the end. But it didn't really, I, I was hoping for something that was going to make me really laugh out loud and didn't really do that. Not in the same way that Scotch and Rye did. You know, when I was watching this, I was thinking, I can't really think of a sort of current, like not just Scottish, but British sketch show that's on. It seems to be a wee bit old-fashioned now, the old sketch show thing. I mean, and I remember his, what's his name, uh, Mick Frost, who's in like Shaun of the Dead, like Simon Pegg's sort of comedy wife. He was in that Man Touch Woman sketch show, which I remember being quite funny. I don't know if that came out after you moved to Dubai or before. But I remember there was some sketches in that that were really quite funny. Can't really think of anything since that I've seen. I don't think there is a many sketches now. I mean, the last one I can remember watching and enjoying was uh, Limmy's kind of last BBC, which is technically a sketch show, but then it was just him. I think Limmy's original show was probably the last Scottish so, I mean, Burniston is a bit of a... No, it's, Burniston is a sketch show, really, although it's all centred in the one place, sort of League of Gentlemen type thing, right? Um, yeah. yeah, but, you know, it's a bit more like League of Gentlemen in the sense that it's all set in the same community, you know, and whatnot. It's not as um, abstract as stuff like Naked Video or Tune Fat and whatnot, you know? So, but uh, yeah, it's, it's probably a bit time that I think I think sketch shows are quite. I mean, I'm saying this with nothing to base it on, but I'm assuming that sketch shows are probably quite a difficult thing to do and maintain the the sort of standard. I mean, I remember the first, and I'm sure we'll we'll do Chewing the Fat at some point. I remember like the first two seasons of Chewing the Fat, especially the second season, more so than the first, just being sort of hit after hit after hit, and then. It kind of, they still had some really funny moments in the third and fourth season, but not quite as consistent as they were, especially in that second season and to a lesser extent in the first one. So I suppose it's quite a hard thing to maintain, you know? I think if you even look at, I think like Chewing the Fat and Burniston, for example, there are a lot of reoccurring sketches. So, for example, in Burniston, you'll have like Jolly Boy John or, you know, the ice cream guys. And then even in Chewing the Fat, you'll have, you know, Karen Dunbar as the I Smell Shy, yeah. you know, or the um, Jack and Victor even. And a lot of those can be filmed in kind of, you know, one, two days yeah. to help condense. If you look at what we've just covered in terms of Scotch and Rye, you've got over nearly 80 sketches in three hours. And there's not many of them, if any of them, that are kind of, on the same set. Well, there are. There's a couple, like the Edinburgh train kind of inspector 
um, and, and there's one or two that maybe could utilize the same set, but a lot of them, it's all different, and that's a hell of a uptaking. Yeah, yeah. You know, even back then, and if you think now, that's a, a hell of a thing. I mean, the only the only re- the only sort of reoccurring characters are the Reverend I am Jolly. I mean, you could say that it does a different Reverend character, a few different Reverend characters, but you know, if you want, but they, there's only really Reverend I am Jolly and Supercop. The rest of the sketches are like completely di- completely disconnected. You know what I mean? Or unconnected from unconnected rather from um, each other. You know, like they. Exactly to your point, in like Tuna Fat or Little Britain, for example, when you've got Andy and the guy in the wheelchair and stuff, and it's essentially the same joke over and over, you know. Um, and you can't really say that about Scotch and Ryan. I guess it's because part of it is it was an annual thing, you know. So, and I, I did notice on the credits, I don't know if it was the first one or the second one I watched, when they were the writers, it was like loads of writers. But, uh, Peter Capaldi is listed as one of the writers. And I suppose you, you you'd only have to write like one sketch to get your name in the credits, right? So, um, but yeah, but it's you know it's not just sort of doing the same joke over and over. And even even when he's playing like Supercop, for example, it's not it's not just like the same sort of catchphrase or the same joke in a different situation. You know what I mean? It's it's you know it's 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 quite uh, yeah. You know I don't know I don't know what I'm trying to say. But I think I've kind of done it to death, but you know what I mean? I know what you mean. It's a it's a different scenario every time. It's a different situation. It's a different street scene. Uh, if you even think about the, you know, Scotch and Rye, how much probably went into building that set in the first one where they have the little Frankenstein sketch? And it's ultimately, it's it's not a great sketch, but I guess the production value that went into that was, you know, quite a lot. In terms of building the set, building the makeup, everything that went with it, but yeah, ultimately, it, yeah, it I mean, and the best. this is a TV. You know, this is like it was uh, BBC Scotland, who it wasn't like they were churning out a lot of like sort of dramas or comedy TV shows, and they would have sketch, would have like sets lying around and props lying around and stuff. You know what I mean? It, it wasn't, it wasn't like the BBC One in England that were putting out um, regular series and dramas and uh, fictional content you know so yeah so i mean we, we, it's difficult to sort of give any of our awards uh because of the nature of the show i suppose i did i did spot that uh tony roper's got a taggart credit from the year 2000 i guess this is gregor fisher's second uh swally appearance in the swally meter and uh and ricky fulton's i don't think has Tony Roper been in anything else that we've reviewed so far? I think he has, has he? Uh, I don't think he has. I'll be honest. I haven't updated the Swally sheet, but no, I don't think Tony Roper has been in anything we've done so far. So, Scotch and Rye. Uh, I'm not sure what they're going to replace um, Only an Excuse with. I mean, they, it kind of feels like... I know Only an Excuse started as predominantly a sort of Scottish football-related uh, comedy show and like the later ones has been a bit... A lot, quite a lot of non-football stuff in it. But I guess they, they, they sort of need a Scottish comedy show to to kind of lead up to the bells, I guess, to the to the Hugman A program. I wonder who's going to pick up the mantle. I think they do, and I I did notice uh, we get BBC One here on our TV, and I often watch Pointless and stuff. And there was a trailer for Christmas on BBC One. And it trailed uh, 
a new Two Doors Down special. And of course, Two Doors Down started off as a one-off Hogmanay show. But of course, that's developed into a series. And so I I think there there is a need for a, a new kind of Scottish Hogmanay institution. Yeah. I mean, maybe the Burniston guys will... Uh, I know that uh, Ralph Lawrence... Because he had, a, I've not seen it. I don't, you might have seen it, but he had a pilot on, just sort of pre-COVID, didn't he? Um, set in Scotland about I, I can't remember what it's called, but it's the name of the program is like the name of the family that it's based on. And he, I, th- I did see a tweet from him uh, a week or two ago saying that they'd been commissioned. So maybe, um, maybe that would take the place of only an excuse. You can write some hugmany related material for it. You know. We can only hope that we get something to help us through hugmany. In future, so what are we? Go- it's your turn to pick. What is our next episode of the Culture Swally going to be based on? Well, I thought I would ease us in to the new year, and so I was looking at stuff that I could look at, and I came up because I've been kind of gathering stuff for you that I can take over for you that we can review in the Swally, and there was a series that I absolutely loved. And I thought we could watch the pilot episode and review it on this Wally. Did you ever watch Gary Tank Commander? I never watched it. Fantastic. Well, I've got the whole series for you. However, we can watch the pilot episode, Gary's War, next week on this Wally. So it's a story, it's a 2008 short film, and it looks at Sergeant Gary McClintock as he talks us through life on the front line after coming back from the Iraq war in Gary's War. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I like him. He's a good actor. Uh, he was, I liked him in... Uh, he, he's obviously in Two Doors Down. He's in the pilot episode of Two Doors Down, right? And he's all, and he was in um, Fresh Meat. The Yeah, he was, he's funny in that. He's a lot... Yeah, so, yeah, no, I like, he's a good actor. I don't know why I never watched that when it was on. I just I don't know. I just never caught it for the reason. Uh, Gary Tank uh, yeah, Gary Tank Commander is fantastic. Uh, the pilot episode's a little bit nah in terms of the, you know the series is better, but I thought we'd do the pilot because we'll start off there. Fantastic. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Uh, so happy Hogmanay, everyone. Although I'd imagine the three or four of you that are listening to this, it'll be well after fucking Hogmanay anyway. Uh, so <laughs> thank you very much for listening, everyone. If you want to get in touch with us, you can follow us on Instagram at Culture Swally Pod, or you can follow us on Twitter at Swally Pod. Or why don't you get in touch with us and send us an email of any news stories you've seen or anything you would like us to review on cultureswally at gmail.com. So, Happy New Year, everyone. I hope 2021 is a lot better than 2020. And, well, I'll see you soon, Greg. A very happy new year to everyone. I mean, I, I, I don't know how 2021 could be fucking any worse than 2020, short of a zombie apocalypse or something along those lines. But a very happy new year, whatever you're doing. And we look forward to seeing you 2021.